The Wolcotts lived in a house at the top of the hill in the middle of a fashionable neighborhood where every house looked alike. The homeowners association allowed for three colors of exterior paint, two colors too many in the minds of many of the residents, a strict variety of fence and hedge styles around the front lawn, and small, relatively quiet dogs from a very short list of breeds. Most residents elected not to have dogs rather than deal with the complicated process of filling out the permits and applications required to own one. All of this conformity was designed not to strangle, but to comfort, allowing the people who lived there to relax into a perfectly ordered world. At night, the air was quiet, safe, secure. Save, of course, for the Wolcott home, where the silence was split by healthy wails from two sets of developing lungs. Serena sat in the dining room, staring blankly at the two screaming babies. You've had a bottle, she informed them. You've been changed. You've been walked around the house while I bounced you and sang that dreadful song about the spider. Why are you still crying? Jacqueline and Jillian, who were crying for some of the many reasons that babies cry. They were cold. They were distressed. They were offended by the existence of gravity. Continued to wail. Serena stared at them in dismay. No one had told her that babies would cry all the time. Oh, there had been comments about it in the books she'd read, but she had assumed that they were simply referring to bad parents who failed to take a properly firm hand with their offspring. Can't you shut them up? demanded Chester from behind her. She didn't have to turn to know that he was standing in the doorway in his dressing gown, scowling at all three of them, as if it were somehow her fault that babies seemed designed to scream without cease. He had been complicit in the creation of their daughters, but now that they were here, he wanted virtually nothing to do with them. I've been trying, she said. I don't know what they want, and they can't tell me. I, I don't, I don't know what to do. Chester had not slept properly in three days. He was starting to fear the moment when it would impact his work and catch the attention of the partners, painting him and his parenting abilities in a poor light. Perhaps it was desperation, or perhaps it was a moment of rare and impossible clarity. I'm calling my mother, he said. Chester Wolcott was the youngest of three children. By the time he had come along, the mistakes had been made, the lessons had been learned, and his parents had been comfortable with the process of parenting. His mother was an unforgivably soppy, impractical woman, but she knew how to burp a baby and perhaps by inviting her now, while Jacqueline and Jillian were too young to be influenced by her ideas about the world, they could avoid inviting her later, when she might actually do some damage. Serena would normally have objected to the idea of her mother-in-law invading her home, setting everything out of order. With the babies screaming and the house already in disarray, all she could do was nod. Chester made the call first thing in the morning. Louise Wolcott arrived on the train eight hours later. By the standards of anyone save for her ruthlessly regimented son, Louise was a disciplined, orderly woman. She liked the world to make sense and follow the rules. By the standards of her son, she was a hopeless dreamer. She thought the world was capable of kindness. She thought people were essentially good and only waiting for an opportunity to show it. She took a taxi from the train station to the house because, of course, picking her up would have been a disruption to an already disrupted schedule. She rang the bell because, of course, giving her a key would have made no sense at all. Her eyes lit up when Serena answered the door, a baby in each arm, and she didn't even notice that her daughter-in-law's hair was uncombed 
or that there were stains on the collar of her blouse. The things Serena thought were most important in the world held no relevance to Louise. Her attention was focused entirely on the babies. There they are, she said, as if the twins had been the subject of a global manhunt spanning years. She slipped in through the open door without waiting for an invitation, putting her suitcases down next to the umbrella stand, where they did not compliment the decor, before holding out her arms. Come to Grandma, she said. Serena would normally have argued. Serena would normally have insisted on offering coffee, tea, a place to put her bags where no one would have to see them. Serena, like her husband, had not slept a full night since coming home from the hospital. Welcome to our home, she said, and dumped both babies unceremoniously into Louise's arms before turning and walking up the stairs. The slam of the...